calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey everybody, welcome to another a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies! Hey! <laughs> we're, we're all excited to be back here uh, on the precipice of WandaVision coming out uh, this weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about that later on in the show as our main topic, the road to WandaVision. Uh, and we'll also be announcing what we're going to be doing in terms of reviewing that show mm -hmm. as well here for the Geek Buddies. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the channel. Michael? I am Michael Vogel. That's me. Uh, I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And uh, Johnny's uh, what, right hand, left hand. What is this? I can't. Middleman. Can never do it backwards. Like right middleman. I'm the middleman. Yeah. Geek Buddy's middleman. He knows how to get things done. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is Shannon. Shannon McClung. <laughs> I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Modern Family, and way back when house oh nice good reference nice 
He's an unusual doctor, that house. He doesn't follow all the norms, that house. Uh, <laughs> and there are rumors that Black Adder might be getting brought back by Rowan Atkinson. Will Hugh Laurie show up in that Black Adder? I wonder, as he was showed up in the last two seasons of Black Adder. Pretty funny stuff. Will, uh, will, our, very, will our very own Shannon McClung show up in Black Adder? Who knows? <laughs> a British accent. I'd like to see. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for downloading this content or, or watching it on YouTube. If you download it on a podcast feed, thank you very much. Uh, you know, for those of you who are new, thanks for taking a chance on the Geek Buddies. For those of you who have been our fans for quite some time, thank you for staying on the train. Uh, and for the new people, this is how it works. Each one of us presents a Geek News item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, uh, and then we take a little bit of a mini break and then get into our big main topic which of course as i mentioned earlier the road to one division so let's uh kick it off who's first uh that would be me Awesome. That's good. All right. So in the world of Star Wars, we have had a bunch of really exciting announcements over the past month or so. Uh, One of the things that had been rumored long before uh, Disney's Investor Day, long before Kathleen Kennedy made all of the announcements, was that there was going to be a Rebels animated series spinoff. Now, rumors have been circulating for a while that the animated spinoff has kind of gone the way of the dodo, isn't happening, but that's only because with the success of Mandalorian, with the uh, excitement around Ahsoka Tano getting her own series, what they were going to do in this animated uh, Rebels spinoff continuation is now going to move into the live action realm. And uh, new rumors coming out uh, broke by Kessel Run Transmissions kind of seem to confirm that. Uh, their sources are saying that they saw Captain Rex's armor on the Mandalorian set, uh, presumably because Tamora Morrison, who plays Boba Fett, obviously, and who will be playing Boba Fett in Book of Boba, uh, would technically also be the right actor to play a live-action version of Captain Rex, uh, one of the most popular clones from Clone Wars Animated. Um, So the fact that there was this armor on set that Tamora Morrison was possibly doing a uh, a screen test, uh, they've also kind of revealed that, according to their sources, people over at Lucasfilm are, quote, super interested in Rex's potential. Uh, So this is really exciting. It all makes total sense. Uh, I think even back when we heard that Tamora Morrison was going to be in season two of Mandalorian, we had a big discussion on whether he would be Boba Fett or Captain Rex. So this is all exciting. I know that there's a lot of animation uh, people and fans out there that as the rumors have been swirling that the animated continuation of Rebels isn't happening, we're kind of bummed. But... Personally, I'm kind of stoked about it. Uh, They're definitely not shying away from animation. A lot of the announcements from Investor Day for Star Wars, including the droids thing, the anime thing, like there's a lot of Star Wars animation coming our way, but the fact that some of these beloved animated characters are going to continue to make the jump the way that Ahsoka and Bo-Katan did, that that we're possibly going to see a live action Captain Rex, a live action Sabine, and take that Uh, the ending of Star Wars Rebels where everybody was speculating about what was going to happen, what the next steps were, and seeing that kind of happen in live action is pretty cool. So again, all rumors, none of it substantiated yet, but uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I think that's awesome. I mean, because there's no real limit to where you can plug Rex in at this point. You're going to have, what, potentially four separate live action series where he could pop up. He could pop up in The Mandalorian. He could pop up in Ahsoka. He could pop up in Book of Boba Fett. He could pop up in Rangers of the New Republic. And I don't remember 
when we initially chatted about this, if that was something that had been floated was that Tamora Morrison was coming back to play Boba Fett and possibly Rex. And you wonder if that sort of originated because of that, because of that screen test. Allegedly, uh, Ewan McGregor was on the set from Mandalorian because they wanted to do an Obi-Wan screen test because they're going to use that same technology that they use for Mandalorian to shoot these shows going down the road. Um, the volume. The volume, exactly. Which... I don't know, man. I, th- I I think that's awesome. And and just the fact that Tamora Morrison, where he is in his age, is he a little old for Boba Fett? Sure, but he also was digested by a Sarlacc. Um, he's probably a little young for Rex, but you put you put a beard on him, you age him up a little bit, he's going to look awesome. And in terms of his uh, tenderness, like we, we've seen Boba and Django, but as much as I was not like a huge fan of the Aquaman movie, he was great as Aquaman's dad. I mean, some of yeah. his and Nicole Kidman scenes were, I mean, again, I didn't love the movie, but I certainly, my heart, you know, my heartstrings got tugged when I saw them reunited. So yeah. yes, I think him coming back to play Rex, awesome. Do we know exactly where he'd be coming back to play Rex, uh, Michael? Is it, Would it be Ahsoka? Would it be uh, in a number of places? I mean, they haven't I solidified would, that. So they, they've not, yeah, this is all rumors and stuff. Now, what we do yeah. know from the ending of Star Wars Rebels is that yeah. Rex did fight in the Battle of Endor. Right. So Mandalorian takes place, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, uh, Rangers of the New Republic, uh, Book of Boba, all take place roughly in that five years post-Return of the Jedi. So he's fought in the Battle of Endor. It's five years later. Presumably he's still around. I would guess, and again, this is just a complete guess on my part, uh, that he would end up in the Ahsoka series. That if whatever the plans were uh, post-Rebels that would involve Ahsoka, Sabine, and presumably Rex... Yeah. going off to find out what happened to Ezra. This is where Grand Admiral Thrawn comes into things. I would imagine the way that you're looking at everything, that Mandalorian Season 3 is going to focus on the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan, Din Djarin. Uh, Book of Boba is going to deal with the underworld, uh, with him and Fennec Shand and whatever's going on with them taking over Jabba's palace. Right. Rangers of the New Republic is going to deal with the new rangers of the republic probably cara dune being involved in that and like what it's like for the new republic to try and tame the outer rim and the ahsoka series is most likely the one that's going to deal with ahsoka jedi stuff her search but because her and rex and their relationship is so so close particularly with the ending of season seven of clone wars uh it seems like from an emotional standpoint we really want to see rex and ahsoka kicking ass together uh, which is great for Tamora Morrison because he could be doing double duty here. He could be Boba fetting his life over here, just having a blast being Boba with uh, Ming-Na as Fennec Shan, and then also hanging with Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. So yeah. Tamora Morrison's winning. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and the possibilities are endless, as you say. He can pop up wherever uh, he, he, they want to fit him in. And just because he's coming back doesn't mean he's coming back to be a series regular. He could be coming back for a couple episodes. Certainly doing yeah. the Boba Fett's going to require a lot of his time. And ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, as uh, Shannon pointed out, it's not a young man. And when you start to come back and you do multiple shows, that can affect you physically as a human being. And look, I know he's, uh, is he uh, Australian or from New Zealand? He's, he's, he's a Kiwi, yeah. He's a Kiwi, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I know they their, their blood runs strong, so I had no problem with that. But you just never know when you're putting all of a sudden where you're just kind of booking things when you can all of a sudden boo you're doing a bunch of stuff so maybe he's only like a, a one one episode in ahsoka one episode in uh range of the new republic it could even be one episode in boba where he's playing opposite himself that's possible if all of
of this stuff is post Return of the Jedi, and uh, you know he is older, so he could play it down, play it up a little bit to be a little bit older. So all around, I I like this idea because I love Tamora Morrison. It's so crazy to think about the fact that so many people have enjoyed him in numerous projects through the years, and it's finally this now, this late in life. He's getting a shot to really be a part of a massive franchise and be beloved. I mean, this guy was in barbed wire, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a tough <laughs> road, tough road to get to that position. But just like Liam some later in life kind of finds this new success as an older actor. So me personally, I love it. I think it's great. And he's a gr- and it shows that Star Wars is not afraid. Mandalorian season two showed that Star Wars is not afraid to bring these characters out of the animated world into the live action world. And they did it well. And now how they now this opens the door for more characters to come in. Thrawn's been the big rumor, all that. And so to me, this is exciting. This is another step forward for the advancement of Star Wars beyond what we've seen before. So I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, how awesome would it be that Rex would be the thread that connects yeah. all of these shows together? Because he's the one that kind of touches each one. Yeah. I mean, he, he has connections to the Mandalorian over the fact that he is a clone. Yeah. He has connections to Ahsoka because of their relationship. He, he could have connections to Rangers of the New Republic after helping out at the Battle of Endor. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, he's a soldier. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And damn good one that finds that somehow survives all these battles, somehow finds his way through these battles. And it reminds me, and this is for some of you who may get this reference, it reminds me of Takashi Shimura's character in Seven Samurai. You know, there's a there's a line at the end of the movie when they've survived the battle, spoiler for a film that's 80 years old, but like they survived the battle and Takashi Shimura looks over at his friend who has survived the battle with him and says, well, we survived again somehow, you know, and this idea of for whatever reason, some people are 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 blessed or gifted to be able to keep surviving battles have been the multiple wars and what that does and how that changes you and how that gives you perspective. So I, I, an old soldier being a part of this, offering his point of view, I think is great. I And I just want to say, I mean, like what I as a writer, what I think is so great about this is who could have imagined when we all went to go see Attack of the Clones <laughs> in the movie theater and they introduced this army of the of the Republic, this army yeah. of clones, that so many years later we would be just thrilled to discuss this one clone uh, yeah. and his journey from being a soldier uh, fighting alongside Anakin Skywalker to potentially coming into Star Wars as this live-action character that is that has such an amazing history that is so beloved that well you know like we saw him at his prime in clone wars we saw him as an older clone in rebels like it's just it, it just shows how great character and great story really can come from anywhere uh particularly places that you can't see it or uh that you don't even think is that great as yeah. some people feel about the prequels so i think it's it's just it's an awesome journey to see a character go on could we see him in kenobi that works, right? The timeline works, doesn't it? He'd be a younger Rex, but they de-aged him in Aquaman, and it looked really... I watched it the other day for about half an hour, that opening, and he is absolutely de-aged in a, in a way yeah. that's believable. So Honestly, could- and just kind of canon-wise, continuity-wise, Rex and, Rex and Kenobi have a relationship, and there would be no... we And it's because we don't know what Rex's journey is post uh, Rebels, there's no reason at all 
that he and uh, and Obi-Wan Kenobi couldn't have some kind of interaction. So that's a really, I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right. That that would be super cool. Well, Shannon making the point that he could pop up in multiple places. Yeah. It just occurred to me Kenobi's a possibility as well. So, um, all right, we'll keep our tabs on it, keep our eyes on it. It's all, it's all exciting Star Wars uh, news for sure. So uh, we'll keep talking about it as it goes along. We get more and more updates on what's going on with that. All right, what's our next story? Yeah, so it was announced last week on Deadline that uh, Michael Waldron is going to be staying in business with with Walt Disney Studios. Kevin Feige is bringing him on to write his Star Wars movie. Now, for those of you who don't know who Michael Waldron is, he's the writer behind Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. He was the one of the head writers and the creator of Loki. And he is a guy that was one of the producers on Rick and Morty and one of the writers. So this is a really interesting choice. Like, one, it's clear that Disney has a lot of faith in this guy that he is doing he's doing doctor strange he did loki he's going to come back for loki season two in some capacity i don't think they've stated exactly what and now he's going to be on star wars now the really interesting thing about this guy coming from rick and morty he started off as like i think a writer's assistant on community which community rick and morty dan Harmon, same creator those people are really, really funny. So <laughs> what, what does this mean going forward for the Star Wars movie? I mean, one, you've got Loki, which tends to be like, yes, he's he's sort of a darker character, but he's also a very funny character. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they might Star Wars might be injecting a little more a little more humor. Like we had talked earlier about uh, the Lord and Miller situation, how they kind of balked at like that ah, this isn't feeling like star wars we want something that feels like the star wars that we know and yeah. ultimately no matter what you thought of the movie uh that kind of blew up in their face a little bit so it'll be really interesting to see what this guy is going to bring to kevin feige star wars movie that we still have no idea what it's about but gentlemen what do you think mike uh well first of all i think it's just great to hear about kevin feige's star wars movie uh <laughs> you know like it, it kind of like when when they when that was announced however long ago that was that Kevin Feige was also coming over to do a Star Wars movie. I mean, it just blew up. Everyone's like, oh, he's taking Kathleen Kennedy's job. He's going to be in charge of both. Like, there was just so much speculation. And then, along with the uh, Benioff and Weiss Star Wars story uh, trilogy and the Ryan Johnson, it all just sort of fizzled for a while. I think as Disney and Lucasfilm sort of took stock of everything, and then, you know, they didn't really mention anything about Feige's movie... Uh, at all at the yeah. Disney investor thing. Uh, and we know that Taika is also doing a Star Wars movie. And both of those things kind of, we, that's what we know the, the least about uh, with all of these other big announcements. So the fact that there's a writer attached, the fact that this is still moving forward is actually really, really cool because I'm super curious to see what he's doing. I also think, Shannon, you're, you make a really good point. I mean, look, obviously, I don't think, uh, I, I might be wrong, I don't think Multiverse of Madness is going to be a laugh riot. It sounds like it's <laughs> like they like they've said they want to get a little bit darker. It's going to be more into the horror elements uh, with Sam Raimi coming in. Like there's definitely a vibe, but Sam Raimi's quirky as well. So yeah. I think there's there's definitely a quirkiness to that. Just looking at the trailer uh, for the Loki series, there's definitely a quirkiness to that. So I do think between that uh, and between Taika having a very very specific kind of tone and humor to him as well. I do think you're right. I think that uh, it's not, you know, we were just talking about the Rex stuff and it just seems like in general, Disney, Lucasfilm has 
a bit more confidence, a bit more swagger to what they're doing with Star Wars than they did when Solo was coming out, when they were when they were in the midst of the of the new trilogy and were still sort of trying things on, getting nervous, switching out directors. It feels like there's more uh, of a confidence that they have the right creative people and it's in the right creative hands, which will allow them to take more risks. Yeah, I think overall, I, I, I love that idea too. I mean, uh, look, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. I've said this from the beginning when I first started out doing, uh, being a guest on, uh, on uh, Christian Harloff and Tiffany Smith's Star Wars show, uh, far, far away. I said, to me, Star Wars doesn't work unless it expands how it approaches the franchise for all of us now because our minds have changed so much over the last uh, 20, 30, 40 years uh, to be more open to different genres of television, film, and what have you, and have more of that explored and the boundaries pushed over and over again. Well, now we're in 2020. So if you're gonna come, you gotta come with something uh, new and interesting and a uh, and and a good and a I don't know a unique approach, uh, and that's gonna get you uh, people who are gonna take chances on your shows. And they've been doing that now. The Mandalorian was such an unusual approach, even though it harkened back to the original trilogy stuff. It still kind of found a way to bring new characters in, bring characters out of the animated world into here. The Lord Miller stuff. There were rumors that this solo was gonna be kind of smart, snarky, and funny, and all that. Uh, and then of course. It ended up being what it ended up being. I actually finished it, watched it again this morning. Uh, and you see what could have been here. And you're curious, like, well, what if Lord Miller had just been allowed to do the thing? Well, now Rick and the Rick and Morty writer and producer coming in with Dan, with who is very, very influenced by Dan Harmon, which is the community guy. Of course, you can make that connection there as well with, uh, with the Russo brothers. So there's all kinds of stuff here roaming around. And I, I'm curious to see what their point of view is going to be on the Kevin Feige movie. The Taika Waititi movie makes more sense to me uh, with this connection. But with Kevin Feige now, this shows me that this is something that Star Wars is no longer afraid to kind of um, go out there and see what they can do. And I wonder, and this occurred to me as I was reading the story, I wonder if this means if Kathleen Kennedy ever steps down uh, and a new person or new people get to into those positions, do we see the return of Lord Miller down the road if this works out to be a good combination with this Rick and Morty writer and this point? I, I doubt. I mean, I think, well, here's what I'll say about the Lord and Miller thing, because I get it. I get why people, I love Lord. I mean, like, look, yeah. they've given us some A-plus quality stuff. Like, they, yep. I would never bet against Lord Miller. I think they're great. Yeah. I think, I think probably their solo would have been great, but I do just want to point out, because um, I know that this is something that bugs the two of you so much, oh. there is something to be said for knowing how to bring humor appropriately to a universe. Like for mm -hmm. example, Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi, uh, I like it. You guys, you know, like uh, Poe Dameron's whole sort of run at the beginning with the, I'm trying to get through to Hux. Is this your mom? Like the whatever, but like there's, there's, there's jokes that work in a modern sense that don't yeah. work in genre. And I think what Kevin Feige and the Marvel team do so well mm -hmm. is they manage to have epic, world-spanning action with Asgardian gods and aliens and Sorcerers Supreme, and they get a joke in there and it doesn't feel like it's taking you out of it. Like the right. humor and the action and the mythology all blend really well, and that's what you need for Star Wars. And I'm not saying Lord and Miller can't do that because looking at some of the stuff they've done, they could, but I do think that 
we'll never know for sure. I'm very curious what their solo would have been. Yeah. But yeah. it may or may not have been the right call. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, like I said, it just seems like they've got the right people with the right mindset. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch them like I said, have this Star Wars swagger right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember when they, when Disney first purchased Lucasfilm, they announced their plan. They were going to do a new trilogy. They were going to do these anthology movies, these sort of spinoffs. And the original intention of those spinoffs were, was to be outside of what yeah. Star Wars normally was. Yeah. Rogue One was supposed to be this, this war movie, which I think we actually got. Um, you know, we'll never know what the original, like the, you know, the, the first, the first uh, version of Rogue One was going to be before I think it was Tony, was it Tony Gilroy or Dan Gilroy? Yeah, Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy, before Tony Gilroy came in and did a big rewrite and allegedly took over the reshoots. Um, Han Solo was supposed to be a little more fun and, and, and definitely lends itself to be a little more comedic, but they kind of balked at the 11th hour and we got, we got the movie that we got. Yeah. So something fun with Michael Waldron is, and this doesn't have anything to do with star Wars, but it was more like with Dr. Strange and Loki. I was just like, Oh, that's right. And Rick and Morty, they talk about the infinite number, infinite number of universes out there. And, and being able to take that skill that you got on, which Rick and Morty is a brilliant, brilliantly written show, but you're able to take this skill that you sort of honed at Rick and Morty and were able to apply it to the MCU. I'm like, Oh, that is that's yeah. awesome. Good for him. Well, and, and here's a question for you. If we're talking about that, does Kevin Feige's movie possibly explore that? Remember the, the was it the world within worlds? Is that a possibility now? Does that come into play? The idea uh, uh, that we saw in Star Wars Rebels where you can jump into different timelines. Like, is that something that maybe that's why he's brought on to be a writer for this? And obviously, he, you know, the Loki stuff is going to be jumping in and out of worlds as well. So maybe because he's so good at this, that they might be exploring that in the Kevin Feige film, which would really rock Star Wars, and it would be bringing something from the animated world into live action. And now people, but it'll absolutely split. People will be like, "Yes, this is awesome," and other people are like, "Oh, this is a cop out." Uh, so I, I don't know, but it's a possibility. Well, I mean, if they were to go that way, that's very that's that's a very insulated story too. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah, affect yeah, yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah, true. or it does. I mean, you know, like I'd say, I, I think it's going to be really interesting uh, with all the announcements that they've made, uh, and including the High Republic stuff, which yeah. I'm about 150 pages or so into, and I'm like thoroughly enjoying. Uh, it's an era of Star Wars that I didn't think I cared about, and then I started reading the book, and I'm like, this is awesome. But, like, yeah, wherever they're going, uh, you know, between Patty Jenkins' movie, Taika's movie, this Kevin Feige story, like, is this where Star Wars is going next? And if it is, what the fuck is it? Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. I'm excited. I'm into it. All right, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But it's uh, I think we're all on board with it for sure to see what they can come up with. And I hope they don't get get it pulled at the last minute as like like Lord Miller did. Let this happen. Let us enjoy funny, new, interesting ways to explore Star Wars that make sense. Um, all right. And our, our last story uh, comes uh, to us uh, uh, from a number of places, Dark Horizons and other places, are reporting the fact uh, that Coming to America 2, which is coming out on March 5th uh, on Amazon Prime, it is going to be rated PG-13. That's right, PG-13. Now, a lot of people are like, PG-13? What? Ah! But uh, the R rating back in 1988 is different than an R rating now. Uh, and I think it'll be, what, a couple, a few less F-bombs and 
Uh, but and there'd be what less nudity with the women at the beginning of the movie because there's not nudity throughout the rest of the movie, just in the beginning of the movie. Uh, but this is also like you know, 20, 30 years later, right? We're going back 30 years later to this world. Everyone's older, everyone's more relaxed, everyone's more you know, this is about him reuniting with his son. So, yes, maybe we won't get the really hardcore R-rated stuff that we got in 1988 or 89, whenever Coming to America came out. But that was like Eddie at the peak of Eddie uh, with all the stuff. This is a softer Eddie Murphy now. This is a dad. This is a different kind of humor. It doesn't mean that you're going to get, you know, you're still not going to get edgy humor. Certainly the trailer had the, the African jokes or what have you. But there's a little more sensitivity now in 2020, 21, I guess, 2021, than you had in the past. So for me personally, I don't have a problem with this. I just want to see Eddie again being on screen. And I loved the trailer. So, okay, PG-13, a few less fucks are not going to make me hate the movie or not think it was, you should have gone harder. You know, it, this is a this has always been a, a touching story uh, about a man in the first film trying to find the real love of his life. This is going to be a story about a man trying to reconnect with a, uh, a child because he didn't know. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Shame. Uh, anyway. Cautious, yeah. opti- cautious optimism. <laughs> I, I, I'm, oh. I'm sticking by my initial, my initial statement. Okay. PG-13 rating. Do you need mother effers all over the place for a comedy? No, but it has kind of been established within that world. I don't think it's a few less. I think with a PG-13, you get like one or two. Okay. So, and they definitely said, you know, mother F and the F bomb more than five times. Yes. Um, listening to listening to some people drop the f-bomb is funny and i do think there is a possibility that this could this could be the coming to america sequel with less teeth that's 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 my fear um and again you talk about the returning characters it's not like eddie murphy and arsenio hall or rather their characters the the prince and his his minder um they weren't necessarily the ones dropping the f-bombs it was the people around them Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know, if we don't get those barbershop guys saying it, I will be very, I'll be disappointed. Did they? I, did they cuss? I don't remember the barbershop guys. Oh cussing. yeah, oh. oh yeah. I just, I just like that. I got Johnny on this side saying "fuck this, fuck that," and you on this side refuse it. You're like, well, the the mother effers. There's a lot of mother effers in a rated R movie, which you cannot. <laughs> you, you can. We're, we Johnny already did it. You can say "fuck." You can. You can. But you don't have to. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I here actually. I went through an entire like. So I saw the headline about it yeah. being PG thirteen, and I was like, "This sucks." Mm-hmm. And you are and Johnny, you make a good point. You're right. Like coming to America, uh, it is not. There's certain movies with that when you go see a rated R movie, it is because of how raunchy it gets or how mm-hmm. inappropriate it gets. Coming to America is actually a really sweet romantic story, and yeah. it just has a lot of really funny stuff in it. I then went through a whole process of realizing that, look, Eddie Murphy is hilarious to me in Mulan. Eddie Murphy is hilarious as Donkey in Shrek. Like, Eddie Murphy's hilarious, whether or not he's cursing or not. Like, he is really funny. I do agree that this movie could be every bit as funny, every bit as uh, hitting all the parts you want with a PG-13 rating. It is absolutely possible. And I think that it is just my... uh, the way that I look at that movie, Trading Places, Eddie Murphy Raw, like the Eddie Murphy of the 80s that I grew up with is an R-rated Eddie Murphy. And mm. so I think to me, Coming to America falls into that category. So I had an assumption 
about what this movie was going to be that the PG-13 definitely uh, dimmed that. I, I start, I, it gave me a, well, this is going to be a different thing. But as I really started thinking about it, I was like, well, that's being a little bit ridiculous. Like, I don't, I don't need the motherfuckers necessarily uh, to, uh, to be funny. So we'll see. I, I, I will be curious to see how it goes. I think it, I'm still excited, but uh, it made me a little bit more cautious. Let's just okay. say that. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I I want people to maybe leave us a comment down below. Check a look at that barber scene. I don't remember them cussing in the barber scene. And I and, and I think that's uh, that, those are just as funny. What we'll probably get is Samuel L. Jackson not cussing in the movie. Maybe he'll be the only cuss word in the movie is Samuel L.'s. Uh, I don't know. Uh, um, certainly, like, Leslie Jones, I think, is funny with or without the swear words. Certainly in SNL, yeah. she's incredibly funny without any swear words. Tracy Morgan on 30 Rock for how many years? So all these people can still convey a rougher kind of comedy, a harder, more edgy kind of comedy than you'd normally see like a, a an Adam Sandler movie without having to use the cuss word. So it's just a matter of right. what they can get away with uh, there. And it, I don't think it'll take away from the movie at all. And it's clear that they want to appeal to families. So they want to get as many eyes on this as a family viewing at home streaming experience as possible. So to me, I don't fault them for wanting to do this. This is not Eddie in his 20s. Eddie in his 20s being neutered is something else. This is Eddie uh, way older as a father. So I think this one's going to have a little more sweetness to it even than the first one did. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I Look, I'm still excited to see it. Uh, I, I did. I would say that I did realize that I was having a adverse reaction because of the Eddie Murphy of my childhood, not necessarily the Eddie Murphy of now. So I think everything you said is 100% correct. It is entirely possible that this movie could be just as funny, if not funnier, than the original. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, Shannon, cautious optimism. Cautious optimism. All right. Well, Got some motherfucking optimism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there we go. That's all the items uh, for the first part of the show. We're going to take a quick break uh, and then jump into our main uh, topic, uh, the road to one division here on the Geek Buddies. We'll be right back. That's really good. I actually didn't know where you were gonna go. I was like, like I, I actually get nervous for you now when we go to the break. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what's the music gonna be? What's the music gonna be? But that was uh that was a good call. Good call on your part. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the it. forethought. <laughs> oh, wait, one last thing I forgot to mention before we start this main topic. I know it's Marvel related. There were some rumors that have come out uh, as we're recording this. Uh that uh Doctor Doom, Victor Von Doom might be the main villain in Black Panther 2. Quickly. Uh, do you like this idea? Do you think it works? There was also rumors about Namor Submariner. Is this a situation where Namor is going to come in as the initially the villain, then becomes the antihero, teams up with whoever is there in Wakanda and fights off Doctor Doom? Do you think that's possible? Thoughts, real quick. Uh, yes, all of all of that. I think all of those are are potentially very very cool ideas. And the fact that Doctor Doom, Namor, and I believe Black Panther all sprang out of the Fantastic Four comic book. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I like it mainly because, um, look, with, with Chadwick Boseman's passing, the story of Black Panther 2 went completely up in the air. Um, but with Kevin Feige coming out and saying that they were not going to recast T'Challa, it seems like the way they're going to go is, look, Black Panther ended with T'Challa 
basically opening it up and saying, hey, Wakanda has all these technological marvels. We're not what you thought we were. And if they're going to continue with a story where we don't have a king in Wakanda anymore, it makes sense that a bunch of people who are would-be kings or think that they should be kings would right. come in to try and take over and get this stuff. So uh, the potential to have a Victor Von Doom and a Namor coming in and saying, I'm going to, this is mine now, yeah. uh, completely makes sense. So, uh, you know, I, I just hope that um, if they do go down that road, and I'm sure Ryan Coogler's writing it. So I, I, what I'm going to say I'm worried about, I'm not actually worried about, um, I, those characters are so big and fans are so excited, I would not want them to overshadow all of the amazing, interesting Wakandan characters uh, that we've already met, new Wakandan yeah. characters that we could meet, yeah. uh, characters pulled from the Black Panther comic, new characters. I, I'm not concerned about that. Obviously, that's where Ryan Coogler's head is at, so he's. I'm sure he's going to do that. So uh, that would be my only concern, but that's it. And I think it's really cool other than that. Yeah, agreed. Okay, I think I agree with all everything you guys said. Uh, I, I would, if they make it work, I'm down for it. My only hesitation is we just saw them, Patty, trying to do that with two different villains in Wonder Woman 1984. As long as they don't do that, I think we have a way to make it work. And certainly, we've they, seen films where they can do two villains and make it work, even when it turns to be an anti. I just so. said this to somebody recently, uh, yeah. and I know we're going to talk about some of these in our Road to WandaVision, but like yeah. around like the Joel Schumacher Batman movies era. Yeah. It became like a rule of superhero movies that you shouldn't have two villains in one movie because it just seemed to get too busy and mess everything up. And so then there yeah. was like several years where everybody's like, yeah, you shouldn't have, look, look what happened. You shouldn't do these two villains. You should focus on one. Then Batman Begins came out and said, hey, fuck it. We have like three villains. And then Civil War came along and Infinity War came along. And you're like, hey, we have 39 characters in our movie and we're somehow making it work. So... If anybody can make uh, two heavy hitters like Doom and Namor work in one movie, I have super faith in the MCU right now that they could pull that off. I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into our road to WandaVision here. You know, WandaVision is uh, dropping this Friday as we're recording it, dropping this Friday on Disney Plus. It is the official start of phase four of the MCU. There is so much to consider. It's going to be connecting up with the multiverse of madness connecting up with spider-man 3 there's all kinds of uh connections that are going to be uh laid out here elizabeth olsen and uh numerous people involved in the show have not given too much away uh for this but certainly there have been leaks explaining how these things are going to possibly connect but michael please uh take it away the road to wandavision um, all right. Well, uh, first thing to know, uh, I know a lot of people were concerned earlier in the week because they thought the runtime of WandaVision was going to be very, very short. I know that like the first three episodes that have been released are about 30 minutes with credits, but that is because it is very much based on a sitcom format. 30 and minutes, Kevin Feige, each. 30 30 minutes, minutes each. each. 30 minutes each uh, because it's very much based on a sitcom format. Um, but as the story expands, Kevin Feige revealed that the runtime will also alter. So much like Mandalorian, where each week yep. we didn't know whether we were going to get a 30-minute episode, a 50-minute episode, seems like it's going to fall. I had a friend like text me frantically. He was like, they're so short. I'm not, I'm, I'm upset. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. Uh, but we thought what we would do is kind of go through uh, the MCU a little bit. Uh, stuff that most of you guys know, but kind of fun to review, kind of go through like what is uh, Wanda and Vision's story through the MCU and then touch on some of the comic stuff as well. So if you are in so interested to do uh, a couple things that you can watch leading up to this, uh, you can dive in starting with Avengers Age of Ultron, where we actually meet both Wanda 
and vision uh, and uh, some important things to discuss here. Uh, we meet Wanda and her brother Pietro in a, a Sokovian Hydra facility at the beginning of the movie where they've both been experimented on by Loki's scepter, yeah. uh, which he got in the first Avengers movie, which contains the Mind Stone, uh, one of the Infinity Stones. Uh, and then the Avengers stop uh, stop Baron Von Strucker and the Hydra agents. They get the scepter take it back to Avengers Mansion, start experimenting on it, where Tony and Bruce inadvertently create Ultron. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ultron teams up with Wanda and Pietro. They become the bad guys of the movie. Meanwhile, Ultron builds himself a brand new body to download himself into using the Mind Stone, which becomes Vision. Uh, And then by the end of the movie, Vision and Wanda both switch teams. Wanda, in the first of several tragedies for her in the MCU, loses her brother Pietro, uh, becomes an Avenger, and Vision ultimately kills Ultron. So those are the key things. I will say, uh, Age of Ultron, I think I'm not the only one. Uh, One of my lesser watched Marvel Mm -hmm. movies as I go and rewatch things, and in revisiting it, uh, because WandaVision was coming up, and because this, look, it is definitely an overstuffed movie. Uh, You can tell that it almost, you can see why it almost killed Joss Whedon, but uh, there's a lot of good (laughs) stuff in there. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff, and a lot of it, especially knowing where these characters go, uh, seeing the origins of both Wanda and Vision uh, is interesting. Uh, You know, Wanda has a lovely accent that disappears very quickly by the time we get to Civil War. (laughs) But uh, yeah, anything that you guys, any favorite moments from this uh, Age of Ultron for you guys? Any any big things that stand out for both uh, Wanda's story or Vision's story for you guys? Well, I think I'll actually go back to, is it Winter Soldier? Where mm. we see them pop, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch pop up in one of the stingers. Yeah, very, um, very, yeah, that is true. We do see Wanda uh, in the post credit sequence of Winter Soldier. Good call. Yeah. I mean, you see Strucker uh, talking about the, uh, the, you know, now's the age of miracles and that, how these twins have uh, have endured these these tests, these scientific tests that they've been, or experiments that they've been put through through the scepter. And yeah. you see... Uh, Quicksilver not really able to control his speed, just sort of you know bouncing off this padded cell, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen looking very kind of you know uh, uh, culted out with this expression floating these cubes, and it was it was along with Winter Soldier just being a fantastic movie. You got so excited for what was coming after it. It's like oh boy, the 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 you know the table the, the things have shifted. If these people are now the adversaries. And I agree with you about Age of Ultron. I mean, yes, it's to sit down and watch Age of Ultron in one sitting. It is a lot. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun to watch it in pieces. That's what I've done the last, you know, two times that I decided to put on Age of Ultron is I'll watch it for about I'll watch it about for about half an hour. And there is a lot of great stuff. I mean, yes, Elizabeth Olsen's accent. Maybe not the strongest. And I don't think she full on Halle Berry's it in X-Men where it just vanishes. I think she she tries to hold on to a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah. But she does a great job. I mean, that scene with her and um, Ultron after Quicksilver has died, where she rips, you know, rips his sort of mechanical heart out. I mean, you you see the power that resides in this character and you hope that her new her new teammates are going to be able to get to her better angels to be like, this is someone who can really mess up our world. So we have to teach her how to do things right. And going into civil war, seeing how she's sort of what, what kickstarts the movie. um, Yeah. I thought, I think they've done a really, really great job with Scarlet Witch thus far. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, I think Elizabeth Olsen has been great in the role. You know, we we well, first were introduced to her through independent films, you know, and she is related to Mary Kate and Ashley. And, you know, you're like, what's what are we going to get from Elizabeth? Is this going to be, you know, like a thing and nothing against those two ladies. They built an empire, but they weren't really known for being incredible actresses. So you wonder what you were going to get. Elizabeth really stepped forward and showed this is a whole new uh, kind of talent coming onto, And she's really been in control uh, of herself as an actress throughout her yeah. career. So to see her step into Wanda, you know, uh, Wanda Maximoff, Scar uh, Scarlet Witch, this is a woman that is very powerful, deceptively more powerful than people think. And we see, we've saw flashes of that throughout the MCU movies since she's been introduced. I mean, when she fights Hawkeye, when they're trying to keep her uh, there in, in the, in the, uh, in the house there in civil war, when she fights, uh, uh, when she fights Thanos in infinity war, like just so much about all of that. You saw what she could do with her powers, what she could do with the character as well. Her, the connection with vision, of course, we know from the comics, all of that coming into live action right. and seeing that coming. All of that has been very rich to explore. And they haven't had that much screen time, but they've been able, because they're both very good actors, to make you believe this relationship, the tenderness of this relationship, so that when Vision died in front of her eyes, you understood why she was devastated. And it makes sense when we go into WandaVision why she's having such a hard time dealing with death. As, my, as you alluded to, Michael, this is a woman that in the MCU has been dealt quite a lot of tragedy to deal with, even though she's not considered necessarily one of the main characters of the MCU just yet, like Black Widow would be. She's moving into that position, yeah. I think, with WandaVision, and I'm excited for that. But as far as favorite, I think it's the fight with Thanos. When she says, oh, you took something, you took one of the greatest things from my life and, and what she does to him and how close she comes to absolutely slash smashing him into, into little pieces shows you the breadth of power this woman has. So that, that to me was one of my favorite moments for sure overall. Uh, and the, the, the conversations between them in the bedroom uh, when they were in, I can't remember what European city Edinburgh. they were Edinburgh, yeah, when they were in Scotland there. But like the, the connection and conversation they had, yeah. very sweet stuff. So yeah, well, those are the things that I look forward to here. Moana. Yeah, and I think and I think that um, you know, I think what what they did a really good job, you guys are both right, uh, you know, just jumping into Civil War a little bit, uh, they don't have a ton of screen time together. Um, right. but when you really look at where they chose to put them together, they built a really great arc over four movies. And Marvel's done this really good. They did it really good with Nebula and Guardians of the Galaxy. They take a character that uh, doesn't have necessarily a huge role in a movie, but over the course of multiple movies really builds it out to something really emotional. And in Civil War, most of the Vision and Wanda arc surrounds this connection between them. They have a lovely scene in the kitchen at Avengers Mansion where they talk about right. uh, both of them sort of being outsiders, both of them sort of being tied to this Mind Stone. Like they hit the Mind Stone beat again. And, you know, they do a really good job because as Shannon implied, you know, at the beginning, Civil War opens up in Lagos where Scarlet Witch's powers kind of caused this big tragedy. She kills yeah. a bunch of Wakandan humanitarians. So she's sort of the reason that these Sokovia Accords get kicked off in the first place. She's on lockdown. Vision's with her trying to make her feel comfortable. They have a really beautiful scene where he's talking about 
paprika. He's a horrible cook. He tries his best. (laughs) They do a really nice job in very few scenes with Paul Bettany. Uh, I think there's that. There's the beginning where he kind of comes through the wall and she's like, I thought we talked about this using the door. Like for a little screen time, they sort of get really cute back and forth between the two of them where you see that they're both a little bit outsiders. And then what's great about Civil War, then they obviously, because it's a great thing to do with these two characters, they put them on opposite sides. Yeah. Uh, You know, Wanda goes with Cap. Vision is very clear on the fact that like, this is just going to keep escalating. We need to stop it now. He goes with Tony. The two of them fight in Germany, but then at the end of the fight, uh, after everything kind of goes haywire, the last beat we really get with the two of them, for the most part, uh, is them just apologizing to each other, that even though they were on opposite sides of this, even though they fought, they're together. And then, as Johnny said, then we, like, jump to Infinity, where we we see them in Edinburgh, and, like, you get from what uh, Black Widow says a little bit later, they're still on opposite sides of this. Like, Mm -hmm. Wanda has been off on the run with Cap and Falcon and Black Widow. Vision has been been chilling at the Avengers mansion like he's still on team Tony but the two of them have kind of gone off done their own thing seeing each other in secret he's like let's not go back let's stay together obviously Thanos and the gauntlet and everything gets in the way of that and then we get again we hit the mind stone beat again like Thanos wants the stones Vision is like he can't get this stone y'all need to kill me and the only one that can kill me is Wanda and so you see how through all of these movies they keep taking these two characters that are really uh, emotionally tied together and find ways to put them against each other over and over again. Which leads to Infinity War uh, where Wanda then, the end where Wanda then has to tragically kill Vision to prevent Thanos from getting the stone, which he instantly reverses and then kills Vision again, which is just heartbreaking. Uh, and then we, I'll get to I'll get to an Endgame in a minute, but Shannon, what were you about to say? Well, no, I was gonna say with Civil War, like you can tell she knows like I, I'm I'm too powerful. Like when yeah. Roth is showing them in Civil War, all the destruction that they have done, and obviously none of them are happy about it. Like Sam Wilson has a great has a great take after watching what happened in DC. It's different with Wanda's. Yeah. It's different because she was legit she was the direct what she did directly resulted and people dying. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you you get to that scene, that awesome scene with Vision, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch where where Hawkeye comes and Vision Paul Bettany has a great as as Hawkeye is trying his best. And he's just <laughs> like he, he gets him in that chokehold and he's just like Clint, you can't beat me. And he's like I know, but she can. Yeah. It's a great moment. It's yeah. so so awesome. And then going into Infinity War when Thanos dusts everybody the the reactions that everyone has it's pretty much a a pain or shock yeah doctor strange has he he sort of resigns himself to be like all right let's see if this plan that i have is going to work wanda's is relief mm-hmm. and yeah. it's that it's that feeling of thank like one the one person that i care about is gone yeah and also, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, and, and I don't have to deal with the grief of their loss. So the, absolutely. it's a complete relief to die in that moment. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Yeah, and, then, and then as Johnny was saying before, you get to Endgame. She's not in the movie for the majority of it because yep. she's been dusted. But when she comes back, I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. Like, we've we've had a year between movies and the Avengers have had five years since the dusting. Like, everyone's still moving on. She shows back up. The last thing, to Shannon's point, the last thing that she remembers is her love dying in her arms. And she is pissed. 
And Kevin Feige has come out and confirmed the fact that, like, had they not put those cannons from the ship on all on everybody, like, she's so powerful. She was about, it took, Captain Marvel couldn't do it. Like, Tony had to sacrifice his life. Like, Scarlet Witch's power levels are so high, she could have taken Thanos down. Like, yeah. she could have yeah. done it. Uh, and she's pissed and she's upset. And um, and then aside from, like, a nice little moment with her and Hawkeye at the end, yeah. where she's saying, like, I think, you know, they 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 know they know black widow you know uh, black widow and uh and vision know what happened it's and nice last- but it's also it's also melancholic yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean that that is not you know she it's almost not that she um is not happy about being brought back but it's like right. okay i'm brought back to what yeah well, i got yeah. i got that's, nothing yeah and that's the thing and you know um yeah i say this like you know understanding our situations brother shannon but like you just don't know what that post life is going to be like and you navigate it day to day. So yes, they have that moment, but that doesn't mean that moment exists every day. So and that's what I think is so great about WandaVision. It's really going to be an exploration of grief and an exploration of what you do uh, with someone this powerful how they navigate grief this powerful, how they navigate trying to climb out of this hole. And then who is taking advantage of her in her grief? You know, we've seen in the trailer, most recent trailers where Agnes says like, uh, who's, have you come to help us? Who's doing this? You know, this question of like, who is really making all of this happen? Cause yeah, we've seen in the trailers before that we think that it's Wanda doing it, but there may be a nefarious, uh, uh, a villain outside of this that hasn't been revealed yet who's making this happen. I do want to throw some... Oh, sorry, Mike. I, I have a question, but please go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to make a point about her power set, to your point. Uh, yeah. One of the things that was a little bit wonky, but I feel like is now working to their advantage, is what exactly Wanda's powers are through right. the Mind Stone. Good point. Yeah. Pietro, her brother, he could run fast. Vision is alive. He flies. He shoots a beam out of the Mind Stone. I get it. Wanda, in Age of Ultron, kind of had a, I'm going to touch you and give you visions with my witchy chaos powers. And then that kind of went away after Age of Ultron. And once the Russo brothers got a hold of her, she pretty much became like a super powerful uh, telekinetic. Like Mm -hmm. she was lifting things, controlling things, like using her abilities. And it worked for them. Like it worked for me. Like that was a great visual representation. I understand what she did. When Kevin Feige came out at the last Comic-Con we had, which was over a year ago now, and said, now she's really going to earn the name Scarlet Witch, we know that she's going to be in Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange. And by just the concept of what WandaVision is itself, it seems like they're expanding her power levels to encompass much more of the magical, mystical, like she's not, clearly she's, she's in a fucking Bewitched TV episode it's not just telekinesis anymore. So I do think that uh, the way that they expand her power levels in WandaVision from where she started in Age of Ultron and where she went throughout the, the movies, I think that's going to be a big key part uh, and a big watching way, the way they explain that in WandaVision is going to be a big key towards exploring some of the more magical avenues that the MCU is going to start diving into. We know that they're yeah. going into vampires with Blade. We know, like There's a yeah. lot that's happening that's getting more to the magical, mystical side, and I think she is sort of key to a lot of that. Yeah, I want to ask you guys what you think we'll see. Look, they've bought X-Men. They've bought uh, uh, Fantastic Four. They've said this is going to relate to the multiverse. The multiverse is the keyword there of madness, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, all of that. 
But of course, we just talked a little bit before we started this, uh, the main topic here about Black Panther, Victor Von Doom, which of course is connected to Fantastic Four. Is there a possibility that we see little Easter eggs throughout this WandaVision that connect? Do we see Magneto's helmet? Remember, people might not know this. Magneto is the father of Wanda and Pietro. Does Pietro come back? Does Aaron Taylor Johnson have a cameo as Quicksilver in this? What do we have overall that we're going to see? I, I just think now that they've purchased it, will there be an X thing as a kind of a shout out will there be a wolverine clause will there be something that gets alluded to throughout that or fantastic is the number four going to be there you know like all those things could be presented here that's the kind of um show they seem to have set up that it can go multiple different directions because she is so powerful she can create multiple alternate realities at the same time uh do you guys anticipate that we'll see things like that in the series no uh, okay. I, I, I think okay. I, I think that uh, I actually I think the idea that maybe we see Pietro like getting getting him to come back and and be her like I think that since she's dealing with loss and that is a huge part of her past that I think is actually really interesting. Okay. Uh, I would be super excited if that happened uh, and I could but I could see that when it gets into Magneto's helmet, Wolverine claws, X, anything like that. I, I'm really curious how they're going to handle this. Like for for anyone who doesn't know, I think most of our listeners would know this. But if you happen to not, uh, in the comics, as John said, uh, Wanda and Pietro are mutants. That's where yep. their powers come from. Yep. They're Magneto's kids. Uh, but when Fox owned mutants and Marvel kept Avengers, yep. and Wanda and Pietro also have been Avengers in the comics. Somehow nobody made a call on that, so both sides got them. <laughs> so, so that's where you can have quick. You can have Pietro show up in uh, X Men First First Class. Is he in First Class? Days of Days, Future Past. Days of Future Past. Uh, you can have Pietro show up in Days of Future Past and imply that he is Magneto's son, and you have Pietro show up in Age of Ultron, and he's not. And so I think that just given where the MCU has brought these characters from, they're from Sokovia. They got their powers through the Mind Stone. They're not mutants. That being so, I, so I think that we're not going to get into any past mutant stuff. Like I don't think okay. that there's going to be a Magneto helmet. All that being said, we have no idea where mutants are coming from. True. Maybe they're coming through some portal, and there's a whole there's a whole other universe where mutants exist, and they're coming to our world. In which case, I think Wanda and Wanda would never be a mutant. Or the Eternals are going to do something to spark human evolution. Or Wanda's magic itself is going to cause mutants to... Ha like, are they going to reverse House of Emmett? Like, in House mm -hmm. of M, yeah. uh, the comic that uh, that is very... One of Wanda's main comic book things, which everybody should check out. Yeah. It's She creates an entire reality where mutants are ruling the world. Uh, is her reality warping powers in WandaVision somehow going to cause mutants to come into existence? Maybe that's what it'll be. So I don't think we're going to get Easter eggs in the way that you're saying, like any reference to anything that already exists. But I do think the way that they treat Wanda could give us a hint towards where mutants will be coming from potentially. I promise not to text you all in capital letters. Called it when we see Magneto's helmet in the first <laughs> By the way... I much like much like your Mandalorian semi spoiler, I say that I, I really do think that that is I, I don't think they'll go down that road. This is one of those areas where if I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to be wrong. Yeah, like I right, if I right. if I see if I see any of the things that you just named, I'll I'll get really excited, I'll geek out, and then I'll go wait. This doesn't make sense, and I'll wait to see how they explain it. But I would be happy to be wrong. I don't think I am though. 
So sure. I, I do think Aaron Taylor Johnson, I really hope he's going to show up. Yeah. I really hope he, he will be able to pop in for an episode. As far as the helmet, I, I don't know if it'll specifically be the helmet. I do think there is going to be, there is a possibility of some sort of Easter egg related to Magneto. Like the, like the Wolverine claws, anything else with X-Men, not really, but thinking about the characters that she is connected to. Yeah. Now, like the Mind Stone, they can retcon that and say that the Mind Stone activated the mutant X gene in these two people. And that's that's the people who who survived these experiments with the Mind Stone. It's like, oh, if you have the mutant X gene, that's what you're able to do. As as far as her in Age of Ultron controlling people's, not controlling people's minds, but giving them the visions, I don't necessarily think that went away. I okay. think that probably she stopped doing that as a result of her work with the Avengers. Them saying, listen, if you have to fight someone, you have to fight someone. Getting in someone's head, that is wrong. Right. And, yeah, and, that's fair. Okay, and, that's fair. I, and, and I think Mike could be right that whatever she does in terms like now that she doesn't necessarily have uh, a, a good influence around her, she's taking some time to herself. She right. is exploring how powerful she is. She could be the one that activates the mutant next gene, but I think it's probably, in reality, I think it's probably a little early for that to happen. I don't think that'll happen, but I think it could be story wise. I think it would make sense. Okay, all right, Mike. Oh, it doesn't say. I think I think, and I think like, look, if you are someone who's only ever watched the Marvel movies, we've just kind of gone through the list of like, this is the story of them. When you get to the comics, I think the only thing that you're like. Wanda and Vision's origins, a little different, as we've been talking about with the mutant thing with Wanda. Uh, you know, Vision was built by Ultron. Like, there's, there's, there's slight differences, but more or less the characters are the characters that you know. The big yep. thing that happened in the comics uh, that I think is definitely going to be a big part of this is Wanda and Vision did fall in love, like they did in the yep. MCU. Um, they can't have kids because Vision be a robot. Uh, and the, so <laughs> Wanda used her, um, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, Vig- but Wanda used her uh, chaos magic, her reality warping powers, right. and basically, and and also, I think this could become an important piece of WandaVision. Used slivers of Mephisto, who is a Marvel villain who is sort of a devil who lives in his own pocket hell dimension, but isn't really the devil. It's hold it. He's a demon. Yeah. He's magic, magic, magic bad guy used right. slivers of his soul and her reality warping powers to give her and Vision two children uh, named Billy and Tommy. Yeah. And when everybody fixed reality and they went away and Mephisto reabsorbed them and she didn't have kids, yeah. she went totally crazy, which is the thing that kicks off this whole House of M arc that she's very famous for. Um, by looking at the trailers for WandaVision, uh, oh, and then I should say, and we've talked about this, if you are Geek Buddies listeners, you've heard us talk about this because we geek out about it. Later on, two children were born in real life, Billy Kaplan and Tommy Shepard, who were the reincarnated versions of her kids. So they're kind of Wanda's kids, they're kind of not, but they are two of the key members of the Young Avengers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have seen enough hints in the WandaVision trailers to know that they are having kids in this warped reality that she's potentially creating. Uh, It looks like it is Billy and Tommy. And as we've talked about, it does seem like the Marvel Universe is going in that Young Avengers direction. So that's definitely a piece that we haven't explored in the MCU yet that's pretty key to their story in the comic books that I think we're really going to dive into as well. What do you guys think about the Monica L. Rambeau situation? We see her now coming back. Of course, she's Spectrum. She's Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel uh, for a little bit of time as well in the history of the comic books. Do we think, what is her connection going to be in all of this? What is 
her part of this, we see in the, tra- the most recent trailer where, you know, uh, Wanda asks her, like, what are you, or Scarlet Witch asks her, what are, you, what are you doing? Who are you? And she says, I don't know. And then they cut quickly to the laughing and smiling thing. So, like, what, how is she getting sent into this thing to try to go? And, and, and this could be that we don't have a villain, that we actually have someone who's trying to get Wanda out of this place that she's in and is being seen as a villain uh, through her prism because of what she's experiencing in her grief. So that's a possibility too. So what's her role? Do you think that, uh, that what do you think her role is going to be in this situation, Mike? Uh, I don't, uh, Kevin Feige in the whole press junket that went on in the past week, uh, he said there's a specific reason why they're introducing Monica Rambo now. Mm. Uh, so I, so it's, I, I don't know what that reason is. You know, as Johnny said, when we last saw her, she was a little girl in the Captain yeah. Marvel movie, which took place in the 90s. Uh, her mom, Maria Rambo, was uh, one of Carol's best friends. So that's the last time we saw her. She's now all grown up. Uh, we presume she's working with Sword, which is the uh, which I, which will hopefully be introduced here, which is the new version of Shield. Yep. Um, and so we're not quite sure, but I'm really curious to see how they use her and what her, what they reveal about her story from the last time we saw her, which was yep. as a little girl. And we do know that this actress, uh, Teona Paris, is going to be playing Monica Rambeau in Captain Marvel two. Right. as well so whatever's going on here is going to tie into her role in captain marvel 2 where she you know it's uh is going to be maybe best friends with her mom's best friend we'll see what happens but so i don't know exactly what uh her deal is and why she's the one that seems like she's going into this tv universe but doesn't quite know like it's it's really interesting mm-hmm. um but like i said kevin feige was like there's a reason why they decided to use this specific character and not just somebody else Good point. Good point. Any yeah. final thoughts, Shannon? Go ahead. Well, yeah, I would assume that, like, I don't know if she's necessarily working for Sword because I don't know if Jimmy mm-hmm. Woo is working for Sword. But whatever organization right. Jimmy Woo is working for, I'm assuming that's what Monica Rambeau is doing as well. And Kat uh, Dennings, right? Her character. And, well. and Kat Dennings, yeah, yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Yeah. In addition, we, I guess we've should... not seen in any of the promotional yeah. materials, right? Yep. Yep, yeah, we have. I guess we should say, uh, in addition to if you were really going to be a completionist, in addition to watching. Uh, to Shannon's point, the end credits of Winter Soldier, uh, Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, uh, Monica Rambeau is in Captain Marvel, uh, a young Monica Rambeau, Darcy yeah. Lewis, uh, which is who Kat Dennings plays, is in the first two Thor movies, yep. and Randall Park plays Agent Jimmy Woo in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, in typical MCU fashion, all of these characters from different parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are coming together in this uh, show that's kicking off Phase 4. Yeah, and the thing is, the we have experience with Jimmy Woo and and uh, and uh, Kat Dennings. I'm sorry, Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis. We have experience with those two. We don't have experience with the Monica Rambeau's and adult. Right. So that's going to be interesting because those two are quirky people in their respective sections of the MCU. Is Monica Rambeau the more serious one to balance out the quirkiness? Because it's an interesting trio to bring together to try to find a way to get Wanda out of this situation or where whatever yeah, totally. she's experiencing. But it does also lead to some very funny moments, which is why the sitcom vibe is there and why you put these characters together who are experienced in doing sitcoms, of course, uh, uh, with Randall Park on Fresh Off the Boat and uh, um, Two Broke Girls for Cat Dennings and, and other shows as well. So, yeah, good stuff. Oh. And... Uh, and before we wrap up, we should announce we are going to be doing uh, WandaVision reviews here for the Geek Buddies. Uh, we we got confirmed who our fourth person is going to be, and I'm going to announce it now. The incredibly talented, very funny, and knowledgeable 
Emma Fife will be our fourth person on the review here. We bring her onto the show. It's going to be so much fun to have Emma Fife be a part of the Geek Buddies and do her or do uh, or help us with these reviews uh, and give her points of views on things. You always appreciate Emma Fife. She is, of course, the host over at Watch Ven. She is on Twitch like crazy. You guys know her through the Schmodown and all the multiple shows that she's done. Certainly a frequent guest on Collider Heroes when we had that show. So I'm excited to have her be a part of this thing. Uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts uh, on Emma Five coming on to uh, our situation here? Uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, uh, no, I love, I, you know, the more the merrier, I'm having some different voices. And uh, despite all of the strengths that the three of us have, we are not ladies, which is yes. a big weakness on our part. So sure. always great. Always great to, uh, to get some more female voices on here as well. So I can't wait. I'm just really stoked. I had so much fun doing our Mandalorian reviews uh, weekly on the show. And I think that uh, it just gives us a chance to dive deeper into yeah. these stories and really like get into the details of stuff. And uh, based on the response to the Mandalorian reviews, uh, you know, they, they, they went really well. So hopefully you guys enjoy hearing us geek out in way more detail on WandaVision week to week as we get started uh, this week. And those of you who know, uh, uh, Emma is a sweaty, so it's going to be a lot of fun to have her bring her points of views. And look, all three of us may have some feminine characteristics, but we are not women. And it's great to have Emma coming in uh, and uh, giving us that point of view <laughs> as well. So we're looking forward to it for sure. We can't thank Emma enough for being willing to come on and do the reviews with us. Uh, so we will drop that on Saturday. Look for those on Saturday. That time schedule-wise, that's the time we can record them. So as soon as we record them, I will drop them on the channel for people to watch and enjoy. Uh, all right, that's it from us. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, we are clearly super excited to talk with you guys about all the fun stuff that we've got coming up. And uh, the thing that you can do to help us, if you enjoy listening to all the things we do, uh, is help get the word out on Geek Buddies. So here are some things that you can do that are super simple and easy. Uh, you can click that like button below. Uh, you can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page where there is tons of good content, not just with us, but with other people too. Uh, and then if you are listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or Anchor, uh, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, give us a rating, leave a comment. It helps us go up in the rating so other people can find us. And the most important thing that you guys can do is share this video, post it on Twitter, post it on Facebook, text it to your friends. Be like, hey, I didn't know this about WandaVision. Listen to what these three crazy guys said. And of course, as we say every week, leave some comments below. Let us know what you thought. Uh, leave some F-bombs for Shannon. He really clearly loves them. Yeah, he loves uh, them. We respond to everything. We love to get back to you guys. We love to engage. And so let's just keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Couldn't uh, agree with both these two gentlemen more. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. And don't forget, uh, Saturday, drop in our WandaVision reviews. And then we'll be back next week with another episode of the fucking Geek Buddies. Hey. 
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.